Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that there's revelation that comes in our hearts from your word tonight. Thank you that you have things to say. and We ask you to say them to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah for your word. Let me say a couple of things before I get into my real notes. The scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.1, the apostle Paul is writing, and he says, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, if these aren't those days, I don't know that I want to be here during them. Um, perilous times. The word perilous it means fierce. The only other time this word is even used in the Greek in the New Testament is when Jesus is in, encounters the gathering demoniac. And it says he was fierce. So this is talking about violent, fierce things. And so we understand that that in these, in these perilous, in these last days, perilous times will come. I mean, there is so much going on in the world. We need God to do something. Oh, wait a minute. God needs us to do something. He never said he was going to do something. I'm just going to throw you a wrench right off the bat. How about that? The New Testament never promises you that God is going to defeat the devil in your behalf. Not one time. Jesus never said, pray to the Father and he and I will come and beat the devil for you. It never says that. Here's what the scripture says. It says stuff like this. Resist the devil and he will flee from Jesus. No, from you. You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible says, give the devil no place. Who? You give the devil no place. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Jesus gives us authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. So you and I have been commissioned with whipping the devil. Isn't that exciting? The church doesn't believe what I just said, by the way, for the most part. For the most part, the church believes that Jesus is going to whip the devil. He's already defeated the devil. Our job is to enforce what Jesus has already done. And so when Christians start whining around about how bad it is and how bad the devil is doing stuff, it's time for us to do something. Isn't this good so far? We are the called ones. And we're trying to be nice to the devil when we need to run him out of town. Please, Mr. Devil, please don't hurt us anymore. You can't talk to the devil that way because he will say... Oh, yes, I won't hurt you anymore. And then he'll cut your head off if he can. We need to understand it's our job to fight a spiritual fight, not Jesus' job. He's already fought the fight and won it for us. Our job is simply to enforce the victory. That's what we do. Most of the world doesn't believe that. They believe that Jesus is powerful, but they don't necessarily believe that we have any power. 
They believe Jesus has authority, but they don't necessarily believe that we have any authority. But the scripture doesn't teach that. Churches don't. Churches teach stuff like, well, just hang in there. Jesus will help you. He will help you. You got to do what he said to do. Now, I'm not a very good counselor, as you can tell by what I'm preaching right now. When people come to me and they want counseling, and I haven't, haven't been uh, in, 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 the, in the counseling business in a while, and they ask for my help, I give them the scripture. One day a lady said to me, she had a problem, and she said, now I don't want to hear the Bible, I want to know what to do. And I said, then you need to go pay somebody, because I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. All right, and so I told people what to do, well, here's what the Bible says, and so based on that, what do you think? And we would discuss it, and they'd have an answer. And if they came back in two weeks to talk to me, and I would say, did you do what we, what you, what we talked about? And if they ever said no to me, then I said, okay, then we're done today. There's no need for me to do any more. If Jesus has already told us what to do, now he's nicer than me, you know that, but he's already told us what to do, we can't expect his answer to be different than his word. It would be great if we could just plead with him and beg with him and he would do stuff that his, his word doesn't say. But he's going to do what he says he will do in the word. Listen to these verses. I've read these for the last little while. When Jesus says they, they were in the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. This is in Matthew chapter 16. And he said, and this is the most important question in the world, but who do you say that I am? That's the most important question we can answer. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, You are Peter, which means little rock, little stone, and upon this rock, which means great boulder, which is the revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a very strong statement when Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. We're the church, right? We're the body of Christ. We're the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, if the church is not attacking the gates, then we're wasting our time. Because if we're waiting for them to come and get us, the gates don't attack anybody. Okay? There is a treasure inside the gate. And those are all those people that Satan, not the ones that have died and gone to hell. I'm talking about the ones in this planet right now who are held captive at the devil's will because he's blinded their minds and they don't know the Lord Jesus. They're prisoners of whatever the abuse is, whatever the system is, whatever they've been listening to. And it's the job of the church to go to them and to do something. And then Jesus told us what to do. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the keys. Talk about the church here. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. The word heaven is used in Matthew because Matthew never writes the word God. 
because Matthew was written to the Jewish people and they never used the word God. And so instead of saying the kingdom of God, he said the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying here is I'm going to give to you the keys of the kingdom of God. Now that, what a key, what are keys? Keys represent authority. Keys represent control. Instead of the devil controlling the church, the church ought to be controlling the devil because we have the keys. I mean, if, you, if you have the key of my car, that means I'm in control. Okay, if I have the key to the door of my house, I'm in control of who gets in and who gets out if I have the key. All right? Jesus said, I'm giving you the key of the kingdom of God. We have the key. We have the control. He gives us authority. Sadly, the church doesn't operate a whole lot in that authority. Because the church spends a ton of time begging Jesus to do something. And I've said this before and I'll say it many more times in my life. The church is sitting around waiting on God. God is waiting on the church. God is limited. Oh, God can do anything. No, He cannot. He cannot violate His word. He will not violate His word. What we find in His word is what He will do. That's why we need to know something about His word. Let me keep going here. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And here they are. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in the kingdom of God or in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Another translation says it this way, another Bible. Whatever you allow in the earth, whatever you forbid in the earth. Jesus said it's the job of the church to allow some things and the job of the church to forbid some things. He said, we're the ones who have the key. We're the ones who are driving it. Or we're supposed to be. Amen. The world is a mess because the church has been asleep for at least 30 years. Not operating in our authority. Not operating in the things that we're supposed to do. We're trying to make people happy. We're trying to make people feel good. Well, this doesn't make people feel good, what I'm talking about tonight. But it's what the Bible teaches us. We must be people who are on the offensive, not hunkering down, hoping the devil doesn't see us. I heard a lady one time, she told me, she said, I hate it when you talk like that because you're just going to make the devil mad. Well, the scripture says he's full of wrath. The word full means replete, full, can't put any more in there, crammed full. He's already mad, and he hates you. He hates me. He hates the church because when he sees us, all he can see is Jesus because we are made in the image of God, and the devil hates that. And the devil wanted to ascend to the throne and be where Jesus is, and it makes him mad because here's the deal. We are in him, and we are seated in him, and we have the place he's wanted that he will never get. But the fight is for us to fight. The world is dangerous, but it's, it's time to stand and do what's supposed to be done. And, and, and we're trying to do it the wrong way. Let me just tell you what I'm thinking. Jesus said, if you're going to spoil the strong man's house, you have to first bind the strong man. Now, we just read the verse about binding and loosing. Jesus was in the binding and loosing ministry. You read what he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He bound stuff and he loosed stuff. 
And that's what he did over and over again. That's what the apostles did in the book of Acts. That's what they did. We are in the binding and loosing business, but we got to bind the strong man first. Who's the strong man? Well, the devil is who we're talking about right now. What is our job? Is our job to bind the people we don't agree with? Is our job to bind the homosexuals, to bind the transvestite guy that's on the beer can? Is that our job? It's about spirits. Exactly. It's about spirits. We must understand the fight is a fight to fight, first of all, foremost, in the spirit. In the, not in the flesh. You can stand up and scream all day and protest all day and throw rocks at people all day, and that is not the answer to what's happening in our world. That's not the church's job. Now, we do need to speak up and we need to stand up. And there are things that we need to do. But only after we fight the fight in the spirit first. That's where the fight has to be won. And then we can get wisdom to know what to do in the natural. What's happening right now? They're yelling at us. We're yelling at them. And nobody's listening to anybody. I think I've told you this story before. One day, Tammy and I were at, at the grocery store. We lived in Dumas at the time. And we're in the grocery store. And this sweet little lady was at the front door giving out free samples of something. And so she says, would you like these free samples? you like free samples? Well, this little couple came in. They were a cute little couple. They happened to be Hispanic, and they did not speak English. Okay, so she says to them, would you like a free sample? And they're going, no, no. No, they're kind. They're just saying, no, no. So then she says, but they're free samples. You can have it for free. And they're, you know, okay, okay. No, no, they, don't, they know what she was saying. They're just telling her no. You know, they don't want that. Well, she thought that if she would just talk a little louder, <laughs> that they could understand English. Okay? And so she begins to yell at them. They're free. You can have them for free. And she's yelling at these people. Well, by now, everybody's looking at them. They're embarrassed as they can be. And they still don't know what she's saying. They don't understand it. She, what she needed to do, if she's going to hand out free things to Hispanic people that don't speak English, is she needs to speak Spanish if she's going to get anything done. Right? She did not know their language. They did not know hers. And so she yelled at them. And that is what's happening in the world today. The church is yelling at people. The people are yelling at the church. And none of them even speak the same language. Think about it. You're as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. And some Christian comes up and says, Brother, you just need to be washed in the blood. Seriously. They're going to think, we do that all the time out in the hood. I mean, we, that's what we do. No, no. We, we have to learn to communicate. We have to somehow get the wisdom from God to know what to do. Most of the church doesn't believe that we have the authority to fight in the Spirit. How do I know that? Because we're not doing it. It's not happening. We're not fighting a fight in the spirit, individually, collectively. 
I mean, if we really believed it, we would be at war, not with people. With the devil, we would be at war. We ought to be mad at the devil. We ought to be angry at what he's doing to people, the control he has in people's minds. We need to bind him up so we can get in his house and get his goods, which are those people. Oh man, this is, this is good, I think. See, to rail about what they're doing wrong, to rail at them is not our answer. I mean, we, as a church, our job is, yes, we must preach righteousness. Yes, we must point out what the Scripture says about certain things. But our job is not to hate people or even act like we hate people. The Lord must, in our time, raise up leaders who have the wisdom to, to speak right, to speak the language, to do the things that are necessary to communicate, not to compromise. We can't compromise in anything we believe, but we must fight the fight in the spirit first. First, we've got to fight there. I mean, to, to, to emotionally engage the devil with no real power is foolishness. We must be people who understand who we are, understand the commission that Jesus has given us, that he's authorized us, empowered us, given us keys of the kingdom, and we can do what he told us to do. And we must make the decision, I will do what he told me to do. Amen. Well, I'm just going to wait for somebody. No, no, no. I'm not, we don't need to wait for anybody else. We need to do what we're supposed to do. I mean, we are authorized to bind and loose. We have the keys. I mean, we need to fight in the Spirit. As I said, the Bible doesn't teach us that Jesus is going to whip the devil for us. I hope that doesn't burst anybody's bubble in this room, but other people might have a problem with that part. Because we do believe. We do believe that Jesus has, he does have authority. He has all power, all authority. We have this idea that everything that happens is the will of God. If everything that happens on this planet is the will of God, Jesus would have never instructed us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's the job of the church to learn how to pray and enforce the will of God in our prayer and what we do. Not making other people do it, but letting the Lord, let's fight the battle and bind the strong man. If we're going to ever defeat the devil, we're going to have to use spiritual weapons to do it, right? Because he's not, the devil is not flesh and blood. I think he spends a lot of time laughing. I think his emotions are out there. I think he laughs a lot at the church, quite honestly, because, you know, we march around and we do stuff and we sing songs about whipping the devil and we're, you know, get all frenzied up and then we walk out of church and... We get angry on the way to the restaurant because the car in front of us at the parking lot cut us off. No, no, no. The, there's more to it. We've got to learn how to fight a fight in the Spirit. We can't defeat spiritual foes with carnal weapons. 
The devil cannot be defeated by your willpower. You can grit your teeth all you want to. He's not going to bow to your emotions. I mean, as I said before, you can get him to leave, or let you, he'll make you think he's leaving if you get emotional. Get out of here, devil. I command you, you go now. If you don't have any backing here in your, in your heart of hearts, you can, you can invoke the name of Jesus all you want to, just like the sons of Sceva did. But you've got to understand what you, who you are, what you're doing here. Okay, The only weapon of offense listed in Ephesians 6. Remember, list all those weapons? Only one of them is offensive. Did you, you realize that, right? And it is what the Scripture says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we're going to fight this war, this battle, this thing, we need to unleash a barrage of the Word against the spirits of darkness that we stand against. We need to remind them every day who we are and who they are and remind them who our God is so they understand that's the weapon. We're going, if we're going to defeat the devil in our own lives, because we fight this fight on three fronts. We fight the flesh, we fight the world system, we fight the devil. If we're going to defeat any of those, we must, we must use the weapon of the Word of God. You cannot use any weapon effectively that you are not familiar with. If you've never shot a, a handgun before and you go to the gun range, it's a, almost unnerving the first time you go. But you have to learn how to use it. You have to learn what to do with it and to not be afraid of it, to wield it properly. And I promise you, if you're at the gun range, some gun ranges, if you start messing up, that guy's going to be there right now and say, stop, put it down, let me show you. We need to learn how to use the weapon. We need to learn how to use the Word of God. We've got to know what to do with the Word. Unfortunately, the devil knows the Word better than most Christians. I mean, he's been around a long time. It's not like he's only 80 years old. He is millennia years old. He's been around since Adam and Eve were here. We know that because the Scripture talks about it. He's been around. He knows what to do. I mean, remember Jesus at the Mount of, Mount of Temptation? The devil came and repeatedly tempted Jesus, and Jesus, how did he defeat him? Every time the same phrase, it is written. Every time he knew what the Word says. And then the devil tried to throw him off with the Scripture. Well, it is written. He went right back at Jesus. Fortunately, Jesus knew more than one verse. He knew a lot of things. And so he came back and he told him what the Word said. See, we need to know. Christians need to be skillful in the Word. The word having skill in the Word of God isn't for the preachers only. It's, just, it's not just for those who've been to seminary or Bible school. The Word is for every believer to know, every one of us to know. I mean, when I went to Bible school, it didn't like they taught me a lot about the Bible because I'd already been a student of the Bible for a long time. They did teach me some great things and some disciplines. But I'm telling you, I already knew a lot about the Scripture before I got there. Not because I'm smart, but because I took the time to learn it. We need to be those people. There's more to the Word than just the milk and the little bitty things. There's more to the Word than me thinking, well, I can get my stuff if I can just find the verse in the Bible. No, no, our purpose is not to get my stuff. My purpose is to get God's stuff, to, get, to set God free. With my fight against the spirits of darkness, I can use the word as the weapon, driving them back. 
What I want to happen for all of us in this room is every morning when we get up, I want them to go, oh no, they're awake again. Because we're going to start speaking what God said right then. The scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. The word study here means to give diligence. We need to give diligence to the word, to our discipline in the word. You need to know it and not let the devil talk you out of it. Because he's going to do everything he can, everything he can, to make you think the word doesn't work. I'm telling you the truth, right? He will do everything. Well, wait, it's not working. You don't know it's not working yet. It's like if you planted an ear of, of, of some corn in the ground and you wait three days. It doesn't look like it's working. It takes time sometimes for it to work and you to get it right. Heard a story about a teacher who's asking the question of her students. She says, if I give you two rabbits and two rabbits and a new two rabbits, how many rabbits have you got? Joe Bob said, seven. She said, no, no, listen to me carefully. If I give you two rabbits and two rabbits and another two rabbits, how many rabbits have you got? Joe Bob said, seven. She said, no, let's try another way. If I give you two apples, two apples and another two apples, how many apples have you got? Joe Bob said, six. She said, well, well, good. Now, if I give you two rabbits and two rabbits and other two rabbits, how many rabbits have you got? He said, seven. She said, how can you work out that with, with rabbits, with, with apples and not with rabbits? And Joe Bob said, well, I've already got one rabbit. So he, so he had seven. Don't let the devil talk you out of the word. Don't let him bring things to you that make you think the word will not work. I mean... No matter how you get the word, get it. I don't know what it, I don't know what it takes for you, but I mean, we, every one of us, ought to be in the scripture every day. There ought not to be. A, you know, I go on vacation, but I don't take a vacation from the word. In fact, I'm thinking when I'm on vacation, that's probably what I need it the most. We don't take a vacation from that. I mean, it needs to be a part of what we do. Somebody said it takes 21 days to make a habit. If you do it for 21 straight days. Habits from your character determine destiny. I've discovered over the years, it's not the big things that will, that, that, will, that will break you. It's the little things you do every single day. Your routine will ultimately take you to where you want to be. One poor decision won't ruin your life. But that poor decision repeated every day for years will. One great decision is no guarantee of success. But repeated ones every day will bring success. It's those little things. So no matter how we get it, we need to get it. I mean, if we, some of us, I know people who say, I just can't get it unless I get an, a real, actual paper Bible and can turn the pages. And that's okay. If that's the only way you get it, get it. Do it that way. Some people, they want to use their computer or their iPad or their phone, whatever it takes, get the Bible every day. I mean, we need to get the Word of God. So now, let me get you the, this text. This is in John chapter 14, beginning of verse 15, and then we'll skip to verse 21. Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commandments. I love that Jesus didn't say, If you love me, you'll feel it. He didn't say that, did he? He said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Is love a feeling? No, it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling at all. Yes, Christians, how do you, do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I love Jesus. How do you know that? I can feel it. 
Don't even talk to me about what you feel. How do you know it? Because love is not a feeling. Now, feelings sometimes come, but they sometimes go. I mean, Tammy, I've been married for 47 years, and some days I don't feel in love. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'm in love. Because it's not about a feeling. Now, feelings come. That wasn't, that wasn't an insult, I don't think. I mean, some days I'm not very lovable. Some days, some days, some days I'm not very lovable, and, and I'm thinking she doesn't love me. She don't feel like she loves me, but she still loves me. Because it's not about what I feel. When we got married, we didn't get married based on what we felt. We got married based on a word from God in our lives. And we got married on that. That told us a very important thing, that it was from now on, and we were going to be married. Now, I get it. I got the right one the first time that everybody gets that opportunity, but it's the right one. We made a choice. And, you know, we've, and we've said, I've said this before, I'm sure. Somebody asked, asked Ruth Bell Graham one time about Billy Graham, and they said, have you ever considered divorce? And he, she said, oh, no, no, divorce never. Murder, yes. Divorce, <laughs> never. Well, I'm sure that's the way our marriage has been, but we've never, we, we, we made, we made a, we had a word from God, and I don't know, we were just young kids, but somehow we got a word from God. I got the word in a dream, and I knew that she was the woman that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And so, we, we, it's not a matter of feeling, it's a matter of, of, of choice and of knowing some things. Okay, I love her every day no matter what the feelings say to me. Because people sometimes say, well, we fell out of love. No, you didn't, because you can't fall into love. It's, it's, it's not a real thing. Okay, you can, Listen, you can fall in love with a fence post if you want to, because you can choose all of that stuff. But if you have a word from God and you stay in love with one another, it's not based on how you feel. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's the proof of love? Keeping his commandments. That's how you know if you love him. You know you love him when, you, when his commandment crosses your will. And you just do not want to do that. When you do not want to have to fight the demon hordes that are out there and he's told you to go into all the world. That's when you prove you love him, is when you do what he says to do. Verse 21, he said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Having them, keeping them. If we're going to defeat the enemy in our generation, we're going to have to love him and not go by what we feel. I mean, I've been in church before, and they sing a song, and everybody feels it. And then they start getting excited and wanting to march around and do the things. It's not about what you feel. So it's about what I know. If I have his commandments and I keep them, that's the demonstration that I love him. How do I know if I have his commandments? i got to know what they are. If I love him, I'm going to find out what he said. So I can keep them. And then he said, I love this next part. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. How about that one? I thought God loved everybody. This is talking about a manifestation 
of God's love. God loves the world, the scripture says. I'm talking about people who have a manifestation of the love of God in their lives because they're choosing what Jesus said. And look what he said. He said, they'll be loved by my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Wouldn't it be awesome tonight if Jesus just appeared in the room? Uh, you know, one time I said that to somebody and said, that just tickled me to death. I thought, seriously, that would tickle you to death? <laughs> you can have whatever you say, dude. Go ahead. Anyway, the manifestation of the Lord in the church for revival is not going to come based on feelings. It's going to come based on our love for Jesus. And that's going to be demonstrated because we keep his commandments. The next verse says, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot. Aren't, don't you think that that Judas was glad it put that little phrase, not Iscariot, in there? I mean, it's like, make sure you tell him, Holy Spirit, that it wasn't, it wasn't not that other guy. Okay. This, this apostle's name is actually Thaddeus. His name is Judas Thaddeus. And so he's, that's who he's talking about. So, so Judas Thaddeus said, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself to us and not to the world? That's an interesting statement. I'll we'll talk about it in a second. Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, it's like this is the third time right here. If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. How do we know we love him? We keep his word. That's going to be the key here. If we can learn to love him, we're going to love all those people out there that right now the church is angry with. You know, the church is one of the angriest group of people out there. We're just mad. We're just, because we've been violated. We don't understand the violation is from a spirit being. It's not from the people. It's from the spirit being. Somewhere, some way, we have to bind the strong man, get the wisdom to know how to communicate with those people. Not in a way that condemns them to hell, but in a way that presents the gospel, that presents the real Jesus to people. What would Jesus have done if he lived, what would he do if he lived here today? I promise you it's not what the, what, what the church is doing. We need to learn how to do it. I mean, Jesus intends for us to have and keep his word. Our love is demonstrated by what we do with his word. I mean, when it says to keep, it mean, the word keep means to guard to observe, to keep the eyes upon. In other words, if we're going to prove our love for Jesus, we've got to keep his word in focus all the time. When we are confronted by that headline we just read that makes me want to hurt somebody, I need to keep the word in focus so I can figure out how to act, figure out what I'm supposed to do. Then he says, have. We have to have the word. The ha word have means to have, to hold, to own, or possess. In other words, the word has to be mine. 
I have to make it personal. I have to make it mine. It's my, I have to keep it in my eyes and I have to, it's mine. Lord, this is for me. Too many times we hear sermons that the preacher is preaching and we're thinking, oh man, Joe Bob ought to hear that because he's got that problem. I'm, I, I'm on, in fact, I'm going to send him this tape. I've had it over the years that people send messages that I preach and they're going, this is perfect for so-and-so. Well, they don't even listen to them. You know, it's perfect for me. The word I hear is perfect for me. And I need to learn how to make it mine. Lord, I'm here. I'm the one that's hearing it now. So this has to be for me. Now, if I get the chance, I'm going to share it with somebody else. But, but, but it's for me. He makes it clear that our love for Him is more than just saying, I love you. Remember, Peter asked, Jesus asked Peter in, in John chapter 21, do you love me? Peter thought that was a silly question. Yeah, yeah, well, Peter already repented of denying him, so he thought it was all over with, you know. And he said, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. He said, okay. Then what, did he just leave it there? He gave him an instruction because the proof of his love was whether he's going to feed the sheep and feed the lambs. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Then he asked him again, do you, it's like, are you sure? Do you love me? Yeah, yeah, I, I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? If you look at the Greek words twice, he said, do you agape me, which is the God kind of love. And Peter said, yes, I phileo you, which is more of a human type of love. First two times, that's what Jesus was saying. Third time, Jesus got down his level and he said, do you phileo me? <laughs> and Peter said, Lord, you know everything. That was a smart answer because he thought he knew it all before when he denied Jesus. When he said, I, I'll, never, I'll never deny you. This time he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus told him, if you love me, you will do what I'm telling you to do. And the very next thing Peter says is, what about John? What about him? What does he have to do? And Jesus said, this is my paraphrase, none of your business. If I want him to live till I come back, that's none of your business. So Peter, do what you're supposed to do. You and I, our job is to do what he tells us to do. That is the demonstration of our love. And that's how we're going to win a world. Jesus is at the party. And they ran out of wine. These are great passages in the Bible. They ran out of wine. And Jesus' mom comes and says, they're out of wine. Jesus said, what's that to me? And she says, whatever he says, do it. She said, it doesn't matter. Whatever he says, you do what he says. And you know what? If I'd have been one of those servants, I would have had questions. And so would you. Because when he said, fill these pots with water, the question would be, great, and what does that have to do with anything? Because that doesn't seem like it's the answer to anything, does it? But they did because Mary said, whatever he says, do it. And he did it. The water turned to wine. And you know how that story ends? It says he manifested himself to his disciples. 
That's what we want. We want Jesus to manifest himself. We want him to manifest himself in the church, through the church, to this world that's hurting and dying, and without him they have no hope whatsoever. We want to plunder hell and bring those people out because hell can't stop us. If we'll just simply do what he said because we love him more than we love other things, then we can reach them, then we can do what we're supposed to do. He manifested himself because they did what he said to do. There's where I'm going tonight. If, we would, if we'll just do it, if we'll do what he said, he'll manifest himself. Mark chapter 8, we, we, we looked at this a few weeks ago. Peter had the audacity to rebuke Jesus. <laughs> and he says, Jesus said, he said, you don't savor the things of God. The word savor means you don't think right. You don't think the thoughts of God. You don't understand how God thinks, Peter. For you to rebuke me? I mean, that's, that's just a whole other level of dumb right there. But he wasn't thinking right. See, we, we, in order for us, for you and I, to have the Word and to keep the Word and to have the right kind of results that God intends for us to have, We must have the Word in our eyes. We must possess it. Our minds must be renewed with the Word. That's how we're going to win the fight. That's how it's going to happen. You know, I was getting some physical therapy a couple, three months ago uh, from my back, and so they had me sit on this this, big exercise ball. So I'm holding a cane in my hand, and on the cane they have this rubber uh, band, and so the guy's jerking on it. You know, over here, and then out here, and over here. And he's jerking on it. And I, I said, I said, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, I'm helping you build the muscles in your back. He said, I'm, I'm creating resistance for you so that you can build the muscle to avoid the injury later on. We need to recognize something. When Jesus tells us to do stuff, we do it. And sometimes it just helps us build the resistance. Because when the world comes and tries to pull us off that ball, we need to be ready for it. And if we've built it up, if we have taken the word every day, we've, we've, we've confessed it to the Lord, we've spoken it in the spirit to those dark spirits that are attacking our nation, those, those spirits of socialism and communism that are out there, we need to begin to speak to them first, taking authority over them. And then when it comes, it won't knock us off when the thing doesn't work out the way we thought it should initially. We need to recognize what's going on. Isaiah 55 says it's possible for us to forsake certain certain thoughts. In fact, it says God's thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. But we need to recognize. He said, let the wicked forsake their thoughts. We can learn to forsake thoughts that do not agree with the Word of God. But that takes some effort continually putting the Word of God into our minds, continually praying through, praying in the Spirit, staying in the Word. We forsake them. I mean, listen, doing the Word, as we do what He said, it's not just the same as knowing the Word. I know lots of people who know the Word who aren't doing the Word. I'm sure you do too. It's not Just because you know it doesn't mean you're doing it. We need to make sure we're doing it. Doing the Word is not the same as taking a bunch of notes from a sermon. Not the same thing. We got to do the word. Doing the word is the proof that we love Jesus. Just knowing what we're supposed to do is not enough. 
we got to do what we're supposed to do. I mean, most of the body of Christ is fixing to do something. Right? We're fixing to do it. We're fixing to do it. Or we're waiting. We're waiting. The Lord is, I think the Lord is saying, you know what? Quit waiting and get up and do what I've told you to do. Well, we're getting ready. Get, did you know something? Getting ready is not doing it. That's, that, and too much of the time, we're just getting ready. We need to do it. I mean, we, we've got to do what we're supposed to do. I mean, we've we, we got to understand. Jesus does not ever teach in the Scripture this doctrine of unconditional acceptance. We have to rescue people. We have to help them. I mean, some people think that no matter how you live, whatever you do, Jesus is going to treat everybody the same. They all get the same blessing, the same thing. That ain't what the Bible teaches us. Here's what it teaches. Judas said, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world. Now the same rules apply to everybody. The same rule applies to everybody. But not everybody gets the same result unless they do the same thing. Jesus, he said, how are you going to manifest yourself to us? In other words, Jesus is going to manifest himself to some people and not to all people. That doesn't sound fair, does it? Oh, yeah, it's not socialistic at all. Jesus didn't rebuke him and say, no, Judas, that's not true. I'm going to treat everybody the same. You won't get any benefits that everybody else doesn't get. That's not what he said. He tells him how it's going to happen. Jesus talked about dividing the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff, the faithful from the unfaithful. Faithful. There's always this sorting process that's going on, and you and I want to be in the faithful group. There's a sorting process. However, Jesus is not the one who sorts it. We are. We choose. We decide if we're going to do the Word or not do the Word. Here's that, those verses from the Message Bible, verses 23 and 24. Because of a loveless world, said Jesus, this, how, this he's answering him, because of a loveless world is a, a, loveless world is a sightless world. Anyone who loves me, he will carefully keep my word and my father will love him and will move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my words. The message you're hearing isn't mine. It's the message of the father who sent me. The dividing line is believing the word. Doing what the word says to do. I love it. Jesus said in Matthew, Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Choice. He that believeth not shall be damned. We recognize that. So we have to get this word into our minds. We have to learn to speak it out loud so that we can defy the armies of Satan, defy the forces of evil. Then we must get wisdom to know how to communicate with the people who oppose God instead of yell at them. We've got to understand our minds must be focused on the Word of God. And I think that's as far as I'm going to get tonight. So let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for your Word. I thank you, Lord, that you have a desire for us to accomplish things in this earth that we have no concept of. I thank you you're going to do it. You're going to help us, enable us, as we do what you said to do from your Word. I pray for revelation to come in each of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.